The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the hosts and the guests. Hello and welcome to episode 32 of Two Millennials One Podcast. I'm your host Ethan Gable and joining me today is Sean Mines. Hey, how's it going? And we're talking about video games. Have I reached friend of the show status yet? You are almost permanent backup co-host at this point. <laughs> I feel like you have better options than me for that. I'm actually a big fan of Anna Grace, so if you could, you could work her back onto the show, I'd be a fan of that one. Definitely. You guys are my number one and number two when Abby's out. I do like Abby, by the way. I do want to be sure to give Abby a shout out. She's a solid co-host. And that's fair even for our listeners right now. Abby hasn't been on a podcast for months. She started college. She's off into bigger, better things, but she has promised that she'll return very soon. That's a good deal. Before we get started, though, I'd like to remind everybody to please subscribe, share, download us on whatever you download us on, podcast app-wise. I actually listed on Stitcher. Perfect. Downloaded Stitcher, and like I have Apple Podcasts for some things and Stitcher for other things, so you are on my Stitcher feed. Very nice, and now you are on your own Stitcher feed, so. <gasps> That's meta. That is meta. Whoa. All right, man. Video games. I'm going to let you take the lead on this because I will just go on record right off the bat and say I'm not a gamer. So take it away. Well, you then are outside of the largest percentages of people for uh, our age group, probably particularly men. I say our age group. I'm the very oldest of any millennial that is possible at 36 years old. Am I millennial? Gen X? I don't know. But I did. I'm interested in this video gaming topic. Fortnite is the big game now, has been out for a year, came out last August, and has been growing in popularity for that year. So the original gangsters have been playing since season two. I am not an OG. I've been playing since season three. I downloaded it late March because my students were talking about it all the time, and I'm a sucker for things that students uh, are talking about all the time. It gives me an in and had a lot of fun when I first played it was terrible still am terrible it's a mobile game correct it's actually available on almost any video gaming platform that you have a lot of people download it for computer I play on a ps4 you can download it for Android for iPhone I think even Nintendo switch is the most recent version uh, so you can get it on any platform that you have already and it is a free download tell me about gameplay is it a first-person shooter what are you doing in this game yeah all right so it is a first per well I guess it's third-person shooter you're looking over the shoulder of your character the premise is survival. It's kind of like Minecraft meets Shooter meets Hunger Games. And you are dropped onto an island off of a battle bus. It is a like a hot air balloon bus that flies across this island very slowly. I'm intrigued. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you pick your landing zones so you can drop tilted, you can drop salty. They have names on the map that you can look at where you're going to drop. 
all that is strategic. It depends. If you are terrible, you might want to drop in a very busy place and practice your shooting. Or if you just want to try to survive, you might drop in the middle of nowhere. The premise beyond that, there's a hundred real people that drop in with you. So the gameplay is actually people. You don't know if you're up against a seven-year-old or a 36-year-old like me. You don't know the quality of the person you're playing against. And then of the hundred people, the last one standing wins. To make the gameplay interesting and kind of reduce the time it takes to play, there is a storm that shrinks down a circle into random locations on the map. You have to stay within the eye of the storm or hit points will take away your life and you'll die in the storm. So that keeps gameplay moving. A game, if you last till the end, usually about 20 minutes long at the longest. Interesting. And you made the note earlier that this is a free game, which in my limited understanding of gaming, that is a rarity, correct? Yeah, especially for this model. It's a free download, and the quality of this free download is remarkable. The graphics are cartoonish, but high quality, and that actually is a benefit, because my 11-year-old plays, there's not gore or blood when you die. Robot, like, not vaporizes you, but you, it's like, you're not dead, it's just clearly like, now you've returned to what they call the lobby. So it's not bloodshed or anything like that, it's just hit points and it's cartoony, but, um, Yeah, for a free download, they have done quality work. There are constant updates on it, new weapons, new challenges. They have a team dedicated just to Fortnite Battle Royale, which is the 100-person drop-in. There's another version, Save the World, that you do actually pay for, but it is not as popular as Battle Royale as being free. That kind of sounds fun. I don't know if I'd cross over and become a gamer for that, but I may try it. Would you say it's addictive? It is incredibly addictive. So I downloaded it in March and yeah, played a little bit. Actually hated it most of the time. I'm never going to play this game again, which is a phenomenon that seems to happen. Like you either love the game or you went through a period of hating the game and got through that. But over the summer, I couldn't start playing until like 9.30 or so after the kids went to bed. And then I'd play till 1.30 to 2.30 in the morning, just trying to win these games and get more eliminations and meet my battle challenges and stuff you think about it when you're not playing it like oh man if i had just built faster or you know if I'm, i should have got that gun i should have got the meds instead so in terms of gameplay there is some strategy in it but it is addictive and i think that's part of the appeal of it you don't have to be good to have fun at it and the gameplay is simple You know what your objective is, and you just do your best to try and get it. And you can always make excuses about why you lost. Like, oh, man, glitched out, or, oh, you know, what happened? There's always excuses you can make to bring you back the next time. Fortnite is clearly dominating everything right now. Our students, our generation. Do you think we're going to look back on Fortnite, not to specifically talk about only Fortnite, but is this going to be a game changer, a defining moment in games? Are we going to switch to more models like Fortnite or will the standard, you buy the $600 system and you buy the $70 games, where do you see us at in that divide between gaming this is such a new model. There have been other free games with like ads or pay-to-play model games where like uh, Clash of Clans, for example, where you can use real money to buy more that you can be a better player. The model that Fortnite has and what I like about it is I have paid zero dollars for my hundreds of hours of gameplay and entertainment on this particular game. I'm not the kind of person that Epic Games the company like but for the people i play with they buy the stuff that is available you could buy 
uh, what they call battle pass. Battle pass is more challenges and more rewards for meeting the different challenges. You earn points and stars and levels, and for each level you get, you get more stuff. That's the battle pass. You can buy skins. People really like the skins because if you don't have a skin and you join a squad, which is a group of four people, if it's random, they will make fun of you for being a noob or a default skin, which I get made fun of all the time. It's like, well, I don't need to pay money to dress my digital dolls up. That usually offends them pretty much, but uh, I can't not offend people on this podcast. So you can spend money that way. And Epic Games is making hundreds of millions of dollars. And there's no real limit to that. If, you know, you buy your PlayStation and they do start off at a high cost. That cost diminishes over time because they want to catch the market value of the people that really want the game system when it's brand new. So it's most expensive. And then over time it drops so that, you know, after three, four years, like people like me are like, okay, now I'll buy it. I don't need the newest one, but now it's cheap enough that I'll buy one for a hundred, two hundred dollars, three hundred dollars maybe. And then you buy your game, but then, you know, I play FIFA, you know, and Star Wars and some of these games, but I buy those one time. And so a sixty dollars I'm dropping here or there, you know. So in this particular model, the mobile version of the game when it first landed users were dropping about a million dollars a day on those in-app purchases talk about a model like that where you can continually update what you can sell people i really do think that we maybe are seeing the beginning of a new style of video gaming here they've got you with the platform already and now they just need to get you hooked to buy new stuff that's impressive a million dollars a day that's almost hard to fathom. As I asked you that question, I started thinking, I hear a lot of feedback and anger at certain companies, and I'm thinking EA specifically right now, as they sell you the game for 60 bucks. And I think there's some Star Wars games or Harry Potter games or something they got in big trouble with because they'd sell you the game for 60 bucks, and then you got to the game and you couldn't do anything. Half the levels weren't unlocked. You had no skins and weapons and stuff. So you had to buy these loot boxes. And basically, they're ripping more money away after spending the 60 and getting in trouble. And I guess that's the beauty of Fortnite is there isn't that upfront purchase. Buy your skins, buy your whatnot, but you're not getting dinged twice, essentially. So I can give credit to Fortnite. That sounds like a better model for sure. And it seems to be working for them if they're making that much money. Yeah, it's a lot of money. People I play with, they like to talk about those things. You can buy dances that the characters will do that is not pertinent to the game at all usually it just ticks me off because the person who kills me you flip over and you start watching their player and then they'll dance on your corpse no corpse because it vanishes they'll dance on your loot because all your guns drop out and stuff so <laughs> there's no real reason for that but it's part of the game that people really enjoy and so they've really found a niche that people are willing to spend money on i had not heard that about the ea sports thing none of the games i have utilized that i'm so cheap i have the console it was actually a gift to me <laughs> Uh, the PS4, and then I'm hoping for my birthday I get enough money to buy the PlayStation Plus and I can then play the other games online. Like PlayStation Plus, to be able to play games like FIFA or, you know, Call of Duty or whatever online with your friends. But Fortnite has gotten around that somehow and you don't have to have anything but an internet connection on your device to be able to play with other people. And that being said, there's been times I've wanted to quit the game, but it's not the game that keeps me around. You can play solo or they give other game 
play models. So you could like join a duo and play with a random person or you could join. I have several friends that I play with. They're always on when I'm on. So I play with them and I've met them. Students, current students, former students, siblings of former students. They become like a network of friends and I'll be like, oh, maybe Miss Body Bags is on. Maybe Football Man's on and I'll go and play with them some. Or you could do squads, which is a group of four. And so you're like meeting these people and talking to these people. I've played with people from Britain, people who don't speak English, who are possibly from Mexico, or they were definitely speaking Spanish, and I know words like aquí, aquí, you know, like gun, por favor, like, trying to do my best to communicate, because I was playing one, and then there were three friends who were all speaking Spanish, so that is a big part of the community aspect, too, is like, ah, the game really gets on my nerves, because I'm terrible, I've played, I was thinking over a thousand games, I have zero solo wins and that just dropped all my credibility for anybody watching this game i got some duo wins and some some squad wins but you know that's not me necessarily so you don't have to be great at the game in order to enjoy it yeah i'm vaguely intrigued i may have to try this out just to see what it's like i'm a scared though not that i get addicted to things really but that seems like a very large investment of time and i'm sure yours is minor compared to others yeah definitely do you think, I guess it's just a fundamental video game question, obviously they provide entertainment, but do they ever cross into an inherent bad? Well, I think about the purpose of what I'm doing. Like, there are people who get tutors for Fortnite, I've seen that before. You know, that's all fine and good, but like, we're tutoring for a video game. I understand the uselessness of that. I could spend my time way better. So in terms of like the inherent bad, yeah, they're completely useless and a distraction from any good or purposeful or meaningful thing that we could be doing in life. And I'm aware of that, but I do it anyways, you know, and so over the summer in particular, I'd stay up till 2.30 in the morning and I would play video games. Could I have been studying in that time and bettering myself as a human being? Sure. Could I have been coming up with a plan to like help our community, you know, do something better? Yeah, I definitely could have done that. But there's something to be said on the flip side about the value of entertainment, the value of stress relief, escapism. I mean, we're teachers i still play the game we're in week two of school i've played a couple nights but it's been 9 30 to 10 30 and then i thought i gotta go to bed (laughs) yeah that seems fair and you mentioned escapism and relaxation and getting away that video games can provide and uh, we both have seen studies where specifically the males of our generation they use video games that is a huge component of their life to de-stress or to get away from their daily life and yeah being a teacher being a student i could see why those things are appealing and you know like if i wasn't playing the video game i'd be you know watching something on netflix or checking out a movie or you know even reading a book and some people say well there's more value in that but it is what it is i do those things too but it comes down to is it still possible to get the things done that i need to i'm gonna hold down my job (laughs) i'm not gonna stay up all night play and then come in and like sleep through the school day we fill our lives with things to distract ourselves all the time whether it's video games or something else what's the staying power for Fortnite? do they have in your opinion a long-term 
plan? Will they be around in 10 years? Do they have the staying power of not to relate them to a company necessarily, but Nintendo or uh, PlayStation or Xbox where they've defined gaming, they've made a system, everyone knows that name recognition and the brand. Does Fortnite have that kind of staying power or will this be like a clash of clans or what was that thing on Facebook, Farmville? Oh yeah. Is that done? I still get updates from my uncle about I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, it's been a year, and like what I hear is it's on the decline, so it may go through cycles. I think what Epic Games will have to do is make sure they keep it fresh. They have seasons, like I said, every, oh, I'll say 60 days, maybe. There's a time frame for what a season is. It might be 90 days before new seasons come out. If they can keep those things fresh, they change the map, they change guns you get. So if they can keep that fresh, I think they can keep enough people around. Like 150 plus million people play this game worldwide. I think that they can do it, but will this be like a VH1? Is that still channel? As far as I know, yeah. <laughs> a VH1. Uh, what were those shows? Remember the 90s yeah. or whatever they had? I or, love the 80s. I, I love the 90s. Yeah, yeah, I love the teens. It will definitely wind up on that show. Will people still be playing it when it's on that show? I don't know, but maybe like a Fortnite 2 type of thing. It's making its money now, and so if Epic Games can't keep Fortnite going, they've got a pile of cash now to be able to develop something new, and maybe in the same model, but what I anticipate would happen, like happens in all markets, you have your innovators, and your imitators, and then your idiots, and so I think we'll start seeing more imitators of this model, and that'll dilute the market share overall, so you'll start to see more games of this type, and then ultimately a decline as people start producing crappy games. Where's Minecraft at? You referenced them a couple of times. I remember when I started teaching, that was the big thing. The things kids couldn't put down. Then we switched to the Clash games, and then now it's Fortnite. What's the staying power on something like Minecraft or Clash of Clans? Do people still play that, or is that pretty much dead? Like My son plays, like I said, he was he's 11 and he played Minecraft for a long time. It's a real safe game, so it might be one that is an introductory game for younger players. But that was 2009, I think, when Minecraft came out. But it's still around. It's one of those staple games, almost like a Mario Brothers. You know, each system, you know, there's that game that you know about. Uh, Sega Genesis had Sonic the Hedgehog. There, it goes through a cycle where, like, dip off, like, oh, that's an old game. You know, like, uh, you still play Minecraft. It's still around. They're not going anywhere. The classic games don't go anywhere. Like, you know, people still listen to ACDC. Culturally, I think this is enough of a phenomenon that it will have staying power. That's an interesting thought. I've never really considered Minecraft and Super Mario Brothers in the same vein, but they kind of are. They're the decade-defining games, the ones that everyone knows, the ones that will probably still be played. I've loaded emulators and played Super Mario Brothers within the last five years, and I, again, don't play games hardly at all, but I remember that being fun. I played it enough times, and I still dig that sucker out and it's cool the things you can run that game on now since it was so small but yeah I I could see that I could see digging out Minecraft in 10 years and just being like I want to build something I mean other uses for it there's always alternative uses for those best games you know Minecraft is like digital Legos Fortnite there's strategy involved in it that's like the weird thing like you can strategize even like military tactics if you're in a squad of four and you've got a suppressing fire or flanking maneuvers like you could really get into it and do some of that stuff 
And in terms of cultural phenomenon, there was in March a gamer named Ninja who has a YouTube channel and he teamed up with Drake. So Ninja and Drake were playing and Ninja has like where you can live stream your game feed and Drake tweeted it out and 628,000 people tuned in to watch them play Fortnite. That is ridiculous for me to think about. My brother's a huge gamer and he will just turn on the TV and just watch people game. I don't get that whatsoever, but there has to be a market in that. Like the Twitch streams and the YouTube streams and the YouTube channels, people have made millions of dollars just over watch me play Minecraft. Yeah. That's an interesting phenomenon of this time too. Do you watch a lot of gameplay? Uh, You've caught me and I'm going to be honest. I don't watch a lot, but... uh over lunch breaks on our professional development days at the beginning, I did tune in to watch a few ninja videos. One was like, Ninja plays with awesome seven-year-old. And it was like a ridiculous video. They wound up winning this. It was a random. And then Ninja drops in a squad match. So it's all groups of four. He drops in by himself and wins it. That's impressive to me. And people are like donating stuff to him. And not only can you make like real marketable videos that you can sell or earn money for on YouTube and these things, there are college gaming scholarships now as gaming enters the mainstream. And then, like I said before, coaches and tutors for Fortnite, there is a market out there for this. And, you know, in a capitalist society like we are, where there's money to be made, people will make the money. I've learned a lot. I had no idea the intensity of Fortnite. I knew about it. I knew about the phenomenon, but this is much deeper than I imagined. Are there any other features or facets of gaming you'd like to discuss? Do you like Roller Coaster Tycoon? I have never played oh. Roller Coaster. Is that what you build the roller coasters? Yes. No. In college, I played The Sims mm-hmm. for a while. Yeah. Until I realized it was a digital dollhouse. That really turned me off. <laughs> other people would play it too and we would talk about it (laughs) and that's where i was like dang we're playing with dolls on our computers and i quit immediately i do also once every semester like a last day of school type of uh, reward day i plug in the original nintendo and let the students have an opportunity to play uh original mario brothers cool Speaking of that, if you had to pick one game from the millennial generation, if you had to pick one, what game do you think emerges from the millennial generation as the defining one? That's a hard question. What are the options? Let's. I gotta think this through. So there's Fortnite. There's Minecraft. Games for the older. There's like Halo. Halo would be one of those games too. Like Halo is Halo. In some ways, Halo is the start of all this. Like the multiplayer on Halo, which I was also bad at. Because you could get into little like capture the flag battles in Halo and stuff. But it also had the normal game system. What else would there be? Mortal Kombat. Definitely. I mean, those Sonic games, Mm. Rampage, any Mario, any Nintendo, Mario Party. I mean, those aren't necessarily defining ones, but those are a huge part of our culture and our our generation. Even things like Guitar Hero and Rock Band. There were all kinds of crazy things that emerged over our span. It's just hard to put the pin in the one that's the biggest. In terms of biggest, I think one that might be a defining game 
would be Doom. It is one of the original first-person shooter games. I played Doom a few times when I was a teenager. Or Wolfenstein. Or Wolfenstein. Yeah. It's probably Berenstain Bears. I don't know how to really say it or spell it. Games like that, even though they're lo-fi, would still be historically significant games. I don't know. I can't answer that question. Yeah, I'll give you an out. Too many. I'm not a gamer, and I couldn't even answer that. We span too much of video gaming history to pick that. We'd have to break that down into five-year segments before you could answer that effectively. Yeah, just so many, just so many games that come to mind in that regard. But yeah, those games, Halo, Doom, the games that we've mentioned are incredible games. And like in terms of what history is, like they'll be pertinent. Grand Theft Auto. Definitely. I mean, I remember playing some of the first ones of those with like a bird's eye view of your car, you know, driving through the hillbilly section of town and racing from the police. Come a long way from there. Right. And that just made me jump to uh, Skyrim and the Elder Scrolls and all of those. That controlled society for a long time, too. I don't know if you ever got into those. Not but. those. I was, those are way too complex for me, but Fable. Sure. Played Fable a lot. Just the way that games are now, like, they are 8 to 14 hour movies, you know, that you can sit and play through. You know, 65% of American households have a person who live in them that play at least three hours of games per week. That's a, a huge imprint. I never treat video games as something equal to like television or music, but it's almost to that point or it already is. And getting bigger. One thing that I've been interested in lately as I was doing a lot of work last year that required me to think and type and stuff I needed music in the background and I've been using video game soundtracks as the background music and the soundtracks that they're putting to video games now they're hiring orchestrators and composers real trained people to do this I'm really interested in Far Cry 5 I've not played it yet it's been out for a long time but they had a guy come in to write songs for the cult in that game and he wrote songs that people played and it's like Americana because it's set in Montana or something and he wrote songs for this game that when you listen to him, you'd be like, oh, that's a great song. And his argument was, well, why did you make such songs that people would like to listen to? He's like, well, if you're a cult, you don't want to write songs about like, we want to kill everyone. And like, no one would join your cult. So you had to have songs. I was like, man, I could sing some of these in church. There was nothing overtly cultish about them. And they were really catchy songs. They were really good songs. And that got me thinking about this and just the money that they put into soundtracks to make it a worthwhile sensory experience. It's not just your eyes, uh, but it's also your ears and what you're hearing as well. They kind of envelop you in all of this. Very interesting segment of entertainment. I guess my final question is, is this episode titled Fortnite or is it titled Video Games? Mmm. The video game Fortnite. <laughs> Might as well. Just get them both. Yeah. We'll wrap this thing up. I appreciate Sean Mines joining us as guest host yet again and bringing his vast wealth of video game knowledge. I enjoyed hearing about Fortnite, learning about Fortnite. Yeah, maybe you can hook up. You got a PS4? I have a PS3. Ooh. Can that not run Fortnite? Uh, I don't know. But I can play it on mobile, right? You could play it on mobile. I can't play with you on mobile. Bummer. And I think there's ways to cross-platform from PC to PlayStation 4. 
for. Just gotta get your gamer tag. I hope it's better than mine. Shred them good. It's terrible. No, there's nothing better than that. All right, thanks for listening, folks. We'll wrap this up with our song picks of the week. Put you on the spot. You got one? I do, actually. It came to me just when I was talking about that last piece. So the song pick is going to be just a general category, and they're like three hours long. The soundtrack to any Zelda video game. Look it up on YouTube. You could put that on for whatever you need to do, doing some homework or something. Zelda soundtracks seems fitting for this. Those were some great games too. Abby, good luck adding that to the Two Millennials One playlist. <laughs> I wish you the best. My song pick of the week is a track called Sit Next to Me by Foster the People. Thanks for checking us out this week, folks. Please listen to us next week as well as we bring you another delightful episode. Have a fantastic week. Bye.